Can you imagine a world without turmoil, disagreements, and wars? You know, some of those things affect us personally, deep down inside. Others of those uh, things that I just talked about may be happening in our world, and they do affect us maybe indirectly, sometimes even more directly. But, you know, that's how God intended life to be from the very beginning, was that we have peace. We have assurance of, of who he is. Now, let me tell you when this war began. Okay, we say, well, God, he intended this. Well, as you read through Genesis, you understand that when God uh, created mankind uh, on the, the six days of creation there, um, you, hear, you read stories about how Adam would walk with God in the cool, and the, I can imagine the peaceful setting of the evening. I'm, I like to be outside, right? There's something about the outdoors that I really enjoy. And what do you do on your day off? I work in my yard. Yeah, I love doing that. There's something about that for me, that is peaceful. So I can imagine how Adam and Eve must have felt being there in the garden and, and doing those things. But that's when it began when they were in the garden and all of a sudden they were tempted by the enemy to partake of something that God had forbidden. And at that moment, the war began when mankind sinned. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and followed a lie that started a war. Satan started the war. We know the Bible tells us in John 10.10, we quote this one because our name, the name of our church uh, is really after this, but the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. We know that God has come to give us abundant life, but the enemy came and it comes to still kill and destroy the very life that God intended. And what we're going to see and what we know and understand on this side of history is that uh, only God can restore peace that would come through a Savior. Do you know people need to hear that still today? Only God could bring peace that the enemy took away from us. The Bible contains around 400 direct references to peace. That's a lot, direct references to peace. Um, you know, there's 66 books in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, 66 books, over 400 reference, direct references to peace. And that doesn't count the indirect references to peace. God knew what we needed. When the video that we just saw there, you heard uh, Nathan using the phrase shalom, boy. Um, but the word shalom that is there, I want us to look at that for a minute because we hear that um, are just in, in different parts of the Bible. You may hear that uh, through TV or, or things like that. But here's what it means. Shalom means to be whole or complete. Now, within this, it goes far beyond a state of just calmness. Now, I don't know about you, but this, type of year, this time of year when the Christmas trees are up, we get up in the morning, have our coffee, but we sit there and we see the lights of the tree. And there's something that's very, for me, there's something that's very calming about that to be able to see. And, um, but it goes much, much further beyond that. Here's what shalom literally means. God's highest and most complete good be upon you, and all associated with you. You ever been at those moments where you have peace, but those around you don't, and you're praying for their peace? That's what shalom means. So when I say, Lisa, shalom, not only am I saying peace, God's peace and highest favor be upon you, but may it be upon Kevin and Christian and the row behind you and the people beside of you and the people that you talk with on the phone, that you chat with on the computer, getting the whole... Uh, work that you get done, but God's highest favor and peace be upon you and all that are associated with you. So when we say peace be with you, when we say shalom be upon you, 
Think of what you're opening. You're speaking the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding to guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus, but also to go to those that are associated with you. You know, as we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, this little light of mine, we have the candles that are lit, and we'll, we'll light one here in just a few moments, but I'm going to let it shine. It's that peace of God. Jesus is the peace of God. He brought the peace of God, and he is the peace of God. God's highest and most complete good be upon you and all associated with you. It includes a relational harmony that seeks a deep commitment to the work of justice in truth and in righteousness. Peace is the original order of creation, and it remains the heart of God for all of his creation. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to see how this began. And again, this is the story that we read every Christmas Eve at my, or Christmas morning at my house, and uh, many of you read this at your house. We're going to take a portion of this instead of reading the whole thing today uh, as we get into today's message As we just mentioned, creation began with the idea of peace, but that was quickly shattered when Adam and Eve sinned. We all sin. Ever since that point, until Jesus died upon the cross, there was a great war that was leading back to the place of restored peace. So, do you know, essentially, that war has happened, and it was completed when Jesus died upon the cross. Peace was made at that moment. Now, do we always walk in that completed victory? No, we don't have peace in our life all the time. We understand that we're still in the middle of this war, and it will be ultimately over when Jesus comes back for his people and death, hell, and the grave are defeated and Satan is bound right, and destroyed. We, we understand that, that that's when ultimate peace uh, will come about. But we can enjoy God's shalom even here today on earth. Sometimes it's that moment of just breathing in, and breathing out, breathing in and breathing out. We want to see, first of all, that Jesus is the path to peace, the only path to peace. And I had you turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 4, and we're going to go through verse 14. So if you just want to follow along as I read here. It says, And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be, bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. This was a time of unrest for the people of Israel. And here comes the angel announcing peace to the world, peace to those who were nearby. And I think of the song that we sang um, there at the beginning of uh, the service there. 
there's something about that song too that just brings such a peace over my life as well. We, we sing O Holy Night, the harmonies that are in that song and just the melody and, and the way it was written. But Jesus came to bring peace and it was truly a holy night. Jesus is the path to peace and he had finally come. Israel was finally able to understand the peace. Israel was finally able to understand the hope, the love, the joy, and soon the whole world would understand this. But at this moment, Jesus was announced as the path to peace because mankind needed saving. Mankind needed a savior. Where the enemy produced turmoil and unrest, a Savior was born. And God was very strategic in bringing about that shalom. And it was through Jesus. And I love what Doug had us do there at the end of the, at the, end of the worship service, just beginning to say the name of Jesus. One of the practices that I do too in those moments that I have done is, you know, when you're breathing in and you're breathing out, just to whisper even the name of Jesus. His name is powerful. His name is hope, love, joy, peace, your salvation, your all in all, everything that you can imagine. Jesus is the path to peace. Next, we see that Jesus came to bring peace where the devil brought division, because that's where all this came about, right? Who tempted Eve? It was the devil. It was Satan who came along. He is the one who said, hey, I'm going to drive a little bit of a wedge here because I was kicked out of heaven and you know what? I'm going to take some people down with me. Jesus came to make peace where the devil brought division. 1 John 3, 5 um, says this. I'll, I'll read this one to you. 1 John 3, 5. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. Jesus was sinless. Jesus is sinless. Anyone who con continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But... The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. I want you to keep that in your mind. Christ came, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil does not bring peace. Let's see what the works of the devil are. What are some of the things that we can maybe apply to us today? Here's a couple that I have listed, uh, just a few works of the, of the devil that he brings to brings uh, the opposite of peace into our life that brings turmoil. Addictions, which breaks families apart. This could be substance abuse. This could be pornography. This could be alcohol. This could be technology. It could be any of these things that tear us apart, right? This is not a bad thing, but it can be, right? There's all kinds of things that will tear people apart. Addictions. Secondly, hatred that fuels tensions among those with different worldviews. Boy, we have such unity between our Democrat and Republican parties, don't we? I don't think we've ever seen unity like this on the face of the earth. It's, it's amazing. No, there are such tensions and hatred that, that's fueled with those of different worldviews. I love how our religions all get together anymore. No, worldviews is what drives us apart. But Jesus has come to bring peace. But these are works of the devil who comes to bring division. 
He'll do it in your world. He will do it in your family. Racism that leads to isolation, mistrust, discrimination, and injustice. Violence. Greed that, take, that leads to crime. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Greed that leads to lies, that leads to crime, that leads to corruption, that leads to cover-up, etc., etc., etc. These are works of the devil, works of the enemy. We see those things in our world. We see those things maybe even our own home at times. Abuse that leaves people with external and internal scars. You ask, which is worse? They're both bad. They're both very bad. And these are works of the enemy that will produce abuse. Sickness and disease that leads to death. You know, you think about people, and we'll say this, man, they died way before their time, these type of things, but there's sickness, there's disease that, that the enemy will bring that don't allow us to live in peace. Another, just the final thing that I have listed, and this is not an exhaustive list, right? But fear, shame, and darkness that covers up the light which leads to peace. We become fearful, we become shameful because of the things that we've done, and it, and it causes us to not be able to see Jesus. We think we're not worthy in those instances because it covers up the light which leads to peace. And these are the works of the enemy, and this is why Jesus came to earth. As it says in 1 John 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, the end of there, verse 8, that Jesus came, the Son of God came, to destroy those works of the devil so that you and I can live in peace, not only inside of ourselves and in our minds and our relationship with the Lord, but with other people too, to live in peace. Jesus came to make peace where the devil brought division. Thirdly, Jesus came on purpose for a purpose. The purpose, the purpose of Christmas eventually does lead to Easter. We don't want to talk about Easter just yet. We still got to get through winter. We still got to love the Christmas season, right? But the whole purpose ultimately was the idea that Jesus came so that he could, here's a big Bible college word for you, be a propitiation for our sins. He could take the place of our sins. He could be our substitute. So it leads to that. So we get to celebrate this time of year. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to bring peace. And we celebrate that now, that you came to bring that, which ultimately will be fulfilled, what we call Easter. It ultimately would be fulfilled then on the resurrection. But we can celebrate the fact that you came today. You came at this point in history. He came on purpose for a purpose. Jesus came to deal with sin once and for all. See, the, the payment... For, here, here's where I don't want us to get confused at all. The payment for the penalty of sin, which is death, right? The wages of sin is death. That has been paid for already. There's no more work that needs to be done on God's part for us to be forgiven of sins. So why do we still sin? Well, because there's still an enemy. There's still a devil who comes to do works. And how do we overcome? Well, by the blood of the Lamb. And often a confession of our faith and a confession of repentance. God, I ask that you would forgive me because your son has already paid the penalty and paid the, taken my place, taken my death upon the cross so that I could have life. Jesus came on purpose for a purpose, and that was to deal with sin once and for all. He dealt with sin, which robs people of peace with one another and peace with God. 
Sin is the source of the conflict. Why don't we have peace? Because of sin. But Jesus came to pay that price so that we could enjoy peace. Sin leaves us in exile from God and other people. Isaiah prophesied about this. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. We've read a lot through the book of Isaiah this Christmas season, haven't we? You know why? Because Isaiah prophesied a lot about the coming Messiah. So I love being able to uh, turn to that and be able to see what he said because what he prophesied, as we will read in the New Testament, over 400 years later, that came true. All of his prophecies that he prophesied about the Messiah came true. We'll get there in just a moment. I just wanted to give you a head start to get there. So where sin leaves us in exile from others, where Isaiah prophesied about this, he would go on to say that the Messiah would restore this relationship between God and sinful man. And here's what I want us to see out of uh, Isaiah 9-2, and it's actually, it is up on the screen. I had you turn there because we're going to do a little bit more reading. But let's say this together. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who land in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So today as we light the third candle, it's the candle of peace. And there's a light that is shining. And it's a dim light, but it's still, there it goes. Look at that, there we go. A light that is shining. And as we light this candle, it reminds us who the light of the world is. He came to give us peace to the people who once lived in a land of great darkness. What was that darkness? Not necessarily a physical location, right? We think of uh, getting ready to head to Alaska next year. Is this the time of darkness, Luke, up there, where it's like dark for 800 hours a day or six hours of daylight this time of year? So you may think, wow, he must be talking about Alaska. No, he's possibly because there's a lot of darkness there, right? But he's talking about that sin state that people lived in. At this particular time, they didn't have the Messiah, and so there was darkness. There was no hope, joy, peace, and love. Not full hope, joy, peace, and love. So to those, the people who walked in darkness, they will see a great light. And as these angels came that we read about in Luke just a few moments ago, not only did they see the light of the angel who came and the star that God had placed in the heavens for people to see, but the light of the world had appeared at that very moment to bring peace. As we go on, let's drop down to verse 6 here in Isaiah that I had you turn to. We're going to go... Through, just through a couple verses here, 6 and 7. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And this next one, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Again, we're enjoying such a wonderful time in our government of peace, aren't we? Just unity in the House and in the Senate and with our president and all these things. Okay, maybe not. But you know what? His government says right here, and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Why? Because the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. If there's ever any doubt, it can be erased because God said so. 
God said it will be accomplished. And the birth of Jesus brought that into the world at that moment that eventually would be accomplished on the cross. But at this moment, light had come and the peace began. Peace arrived on the earth. Jesus came on purpose for a purpose. Number four, Jesus guided us to the path of peace upon the cross. This is a message that never gets old. The cross of Christ. It never gets old. Why? Because it assured us of eternal life. It assured us of salvation. It assured us even with, of peace in our life. Turn with me. Actually, um, if you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1, you can do that. I'm going to read from Isaiah 53, but I want to give you a head start to get over to Luke because there's a few things I want us to see there together. But in Isaiah 53, 5, maybe you've heard this one before, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. You know, we just celebrated communion a couple of weeks ago. And there's something about remembering the broken body of Jesus. There's something about remembering the shed blood of Jesus and how not only did that act upon the cross, that actually real thing that happened upon the cross, not only did it bring us salvation, but it brought us healing. It brought peace in all aspects of life that we live today. And Isaiah tells us of that, that Jesus guided us to the path of peace upon the cross. You know, Zechariah would uh, also prophesy about this. In Luke chapter 1, I had you turn there, almost at the very end of chapter 1, all the way in verse 76. I want us to look through verse 79 here. He says this, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Uh, actually, right here he's talking. Right here he's talking about uh, where John would come. He says, And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. So that's what John was doing. You will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. So as, um, he is, as Zechariah is prophesying here, he's talking about his son. He's, he's you know, giving a word over him, but he's pointing to the Messiah who was about, the dawn was about to break. You know, he's going back. He's referring to what Isaiah said about the darkness that was there and how light was about to shine forth, verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and guide us to the path of peace. So that was Jesus guiding us to the path of peace. And it was prophesied about a couple of different times. When you and I do not experience peace in our lives, it may be because we are on paths that Jesus never intended us for, for us to be traveling upon. I know I'm not the only one who's ever been going down a path that I wasn't supposed to be going down. We've all gone down sinful paths, haven't we? Um, and I think at those moments, those are usually when I don't have a lot of peace in my life because I'm going a direction God didn't intend for me. And it doesn't always have to be sin, but I'm talking about those moments that is leading down the path of sin, right? That's what we're looking at right now. Here's a few things that I wrote down. Paths that lead us to deeper debt instead of financial freedom. Um... This, uh, maybe you need to hear this, maybe not. You know, uh, years ago, we decided we would no longer go into debt for Christmas presents. Amen. 
because this time of year is about peace and it's about Jesus, right? And what we found was going into debt for Christmas took us away from peace because now we've got to figure out how to pay for it. Because after the first of the year, then we had this come up and we had that coming up and we're like, oh, I wish we would not have. And this just, this just me, okay? Be free from going into debt. I promise you, your spouse will survive, your kids will survive, you will survive, right? Paths that lead us to deeper debt instead of financial freedom. Paths that lead to negative reading and repeating instead of building up. Watch out for those paths as well. Paths that lead to destructive relationships instead of strengthening them. Right? Going down those paths, it's not a path that God intended. Paths that lead to secrecy instead of transparency. Right? That's where we hide the truth and we have to figure out how to cover it up. Paths that lead to shading the truth instead of telling the whole truth. You, know, you think of the courts. What do they always say when you go to court? Not that I've been to court a lot. Um, but do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Um, anybody ever been on a jury in here? You've had jury duty. You get like 12 bucks an hour for being on there. It's like a day. I'm sorry, a day. That's right. Yeah. A day. It was a long time ago that I was on jury duty, right? I negotiated. They thought, if you guys want me on this, it's going to be per hour. No. 12 bucks a day to go. But that's what they do when they're swearing people in. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and no, nothing but the truth? So help you God. I think they're, Are they still saying that anymore? I don't know. Anyway, paths that um, lead to shading the truth instead of telling the whole truth. Finally, again, not an exhaustive list, but paths that lead to taking and hoarding instead of giving and sharing. That's not a path that God ever intended. It's not. Jesus guided us to the path of peace upon the cross. And of course, there's the whole parable that goes with that about the guy who kept building bigger barns and I will now rest. And what did Jesus say? You know what? Tonight your life will be required of you. It was not peace that was there. Jesus provided the way to peace. What are you experiencing in your life right now? In the, in the realm of peace. If it's not peace, is it possible it could be a work of the devil leading you down a path that you don't want to go? I am here to give you hope today and his name is Jesus. And you may be a believer and you may have served him all of your life and that's wonderful, but there's times us believers don't experience peace. We have those moments in life where we're not experiencing peace, but his name is Jesus. And we can get back on that path to peace. One, by acknowledging, God, I am going down a path. It may not even be sin right now, but man, it's leading me close to it. I'm, leading, I'm going down a path right now that... Uh, I just don't see an end to it, but his name is Jesus, and he can bring me out. Why is that? Because Jesus guided us to the path of peace upon the cross. What are you experiencing, your experiencing in your life right now? Let it be the peace of God. The way of peace leads from the manger in Bethlehem to the cross of Calvary. Turn with me to Ephesians. This will be the 
last place that we turn into today. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to see here Jesus' perfect sinless life destroyed the works of the devil. It means I can't use the excuse anymore. The devil made me do it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. We're going to go through verse 17 here, okay? It says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Will you do this with me? Will you say, I have been united with Christ Jesus? I have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Jesus made it possible. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward him uh, toward each other I'm sorry was put to death he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were already near now when this was being written uh, what's what's happening here is you have the Jews who are God's chosen people but the reason that Jesus came was for the world so he was uniting the two groups and he did that by his death Upon the cross, Jesus shed his blood so that we all could be saved. Are you looking for peace with God? I have a great story I want to share with you uh, just, just quickly. Some of you have already heard this, but um, Joe Christie had uh, his toe removed. So you saw the email. By the way, again, if you're not getting emails on your way out, let either Christian or Luke know that you're not getting our church emails, and we will sign you up on, on that. But um, Anyway, Joe Christie had his tooth removed, uh, his tooth, Miss Kathleen had her tooth removed this week, and so she's back. Joe had his toe removed, so they've had a crazy week, haven't you? <laughs> it's been a busy week for them, a couple of weeks, actually. But I was able to go in on Tuesday, Monday, Monday. Thank you for keeping me straight. Uh, I was able to go in one day this week, and um, he was laying there, and I actually, normally I don't wake people up when I go into a room. I just... People are in the hospital to rest, so he was in a nursing home, so I broke that rule. But I wanted to see him, and so he woke up, and man, he was talkative. You know, he really was, and probably the most I have ever heard him talk. And so um, he began talking, he began expressing some things, and we were just really just talking, you know, about different things. And he got to the point where he said, you know, as, we, as I was leaving my home and I was in the hospital, he said, I looked out the back glass doors in the hospital and I could, in the uh, ambulance, and I could see my house and I thought, that's the last time I'm ever going to see my house again. And he started getting very emotional. And I was like, this is Joe Christie. Joe Christie doesn't get emotional. <laughs> and so I could tell that the Holy Spirit was working in his heart and in that room at that moment. And so I said, you know, Joe, I said, I can't guarantee healing or anything like that on this side. I said, I can pray for you and we can believe and we can ask God to answer prayer that, you know, you get back home and we're going to believe in faith for that because God has made provision. 
But who am I to say that ultimately you're going to get home? That's, that's the sovereignty of God in that. But we're going to pray and we're going to believe. And I said, but here's the most important thing. What about your eternal home? Um, what's your relationship with Jesus? And every time I see Joe Christie, we talk about that. What's your relationship with Jesus? And I said, are you ready for that? You know, and I've asked him this. I don't know, how many times have you asked him, Miss Christie, throughout 40 years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times that you've talked to him? And he looked me square in the eye and he said, yes, I am ready. And so we prayed the prayer of faith. We prayed the confession of sin. And when we finished, he looked at me and he said, I feel so much better now. <laughs> Just peace. And so I thought, you know what? I need to let Joe tell his wife. I'm going to call Kathleen. <laughs> I said, I'm not sure how soon he's going to be able to get to his phone. So I called and she said, you know, I've only seen him cry one time in his life. The peace of God had entered that room that day. And he found Jesus. And I looked at him. I said, Mr. Joe, I said, you understand something? There is a party going on in heaven right now. And he said, really? That's all right. <laughs> yeah, his, Something like that. People need peace and hope. And at that moment, he didn't have it. There are so many people around us right now that don't have that peace, that need the peace of God in their lives. And the thing is, we just, you know, and God directed that whole thing, by the way, because I was, was it, month? Was it Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Um, because we, I had come in, I didn't make the men's journaling that particular morning. Um, anyway, I'd come into the office about 7.30, something like that. I'd made it in and um, was doing a few things. And so I was going to go have coffee with Nathan that morning because I hadn't seen him in like three days. And so I'm like, all right, Nathan, let's just meet for coffee so I can see how you're doing. And so we finish up. He's got to get to homework and get to work and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, well, I'll just head on over to the race shop. It's about time for the Bible study. And I'm like, Man, it's just an hour before I need to be there. So I'm going down Center Avenue, Center Drive. And I'm like, I need to go see Joe. I mean, it was just, it was Holy Spirit all over it. Just like, you know, turn your suburban, let's go in here. And it was, an, it was be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We have our agendas. We have the things that we need to do. But when the light of the world is guiding us, we need to follow him. It's just about availability. And, and Miss Christie said, you know, all these years, all these years I have been praying, <laughs> all these years I have been getting on to him, all these years I have been saying, you need Jesus. And she said, and you get to lead him to the Lord. <laughs> and I said, let me tell you this, Miss Christie, I had the easy part. You had 40 years of labor into that. 53. She said 40, that she had really been on him, right, talking to him about it, but... 53 total, I guess, yeah. Praise God, Miss Christie. Amen. Who are the folks that are around you that need the peace of God? Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It could be for salvation, it could be for healing, it could be for anything. 